0: Thank you, choir. Thank you, Wade. Well, good morning, again. It is good to be together. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I know I have been saying that a lot this week. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And as we trust God's Spirit, we acknowledge and claim God's Spirit. Right here. Right now. For where two or three have gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. It is good to be together with God today. Before we begin, I want to say a word about Mother's Day. First of all, Happy Mother's Day to those of you who are mothers. I want to honor my mother and the impact that she had on my life for her example of a life lived for Jesus. My mom died about two and a half years ago, and so for me, today is bittersweet. I'm also a mother of two boys, and I see them up in the balcony. Good job, guys. (laughs) Two teenagers, they are a lot of fun. And last week at our neighborhood open house, I was in a conversation with one of my friends, one of you, Um, she's single, in her 60s, no kids. And she said, You know, Mother's Day can be pretty tough. Her eyes filled with tears. We can agree, can't we, that Mother's Day can be filled with all kinds of emotions. Thankfulness, honor, joy, laughter, grief, sadness, disappointment, and loss. Let's honor one another with the grace and kindness of Jesus today. And to all women, I hope like Hagar, we can say, I have now seen the one who sees me. God knows each of our circumstances. Would you pray with me? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here today. You see us and you know us. You are Emmanuel, God with us. As we open your word this morning, we pray your spirit would be at work in the text and in our hearts. Open our eyes and our ears today and may we hear from you in new and direct ways. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, or lo- our Lord. You are our rock and our redeemer, amen. Well, our scripture today comes from Romans chapter eight, verses 17 through 27, or 18 through 27, I can't remember. If you wouldn't mind and stand and honor God's word, we'll read it it together. You can find it on page 919. Let's read God's holy word. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. According to the will of God. This is the word of the Lord. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. You may be seated. In in one of my Bibles, this passage or this section is titled Present Suffering and Future Glory. We might shorten that to the now and not yet. We are in week four out of five in this series called Life in the Spirit. And I've really found Pastor George's teaching on the Holy Spirit helpful. If you've missed any of these, um, I would encourage you to go back and listen on YouTube. But let me give a short recap. In week one, we learned that it's possible to live a no condemnation life. Why? The Spirit of Jesus is convincing us that we are one with Christ, and as Christ stands before the Father, we stand within Christ, blameless. This is true for the believer. The Holy Spirit reminds and convinces us of our doubts, convinces our doubting soul that we can stand before Christ, blameless. The Holy Spirit can reboot our minds In week two, Pastor George taught us to internalize the resurrection, and we learned that the resurrection in our own lives might look like rapid, unscheduled disassembly. Do you remember that? That we must surrender our lives to the power of the Holy Spirit. And last week, we were challenged to listen to another voice. Not the voice of fear and anxiety, but the Father voice. The Holy Spirit takes the voice of the Son and puts it in us so that we can cry, Abba, Father, to God. Well today we're going to learn about groaning in prayer. The Holy Spirit is the great prayer warrior in our lives. I hope that we can see today that there's a common thread of groaning and sometimes agony throughout all of creation and in our daily lives. But God does not leave us alone. God acts to redeem all things in His timing. In this little section of Romans chapter 8, I can't help but notice the grand arc of the biblical narrative. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. See if you can't find those four themes in this text. We read that all of creation is groaning in verse 22. All of God's created order as described in Genesis 1 and 2, the heavens and the earth, the oceans, the mountains, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, night and day, humanity, all of it, groaning. We're drawn back to the very beginning. Why are they groaning? Something isn't right. God's perfect creation, the beginning, it was right and good. The Hebrew word shalom, which means wholeness and peace, described the garden and life therein. Creation as God intended, Eden, right relationship between God and creation. Right relationship within creation. Why the groaning? Well, we know that humanity has and continues to sin against God. The fall. Genesis chapter 3. The tentacles of sin impact creation in painful ways. We're hardwired toward the propensity to sin. Sin is a part of our nature. And in Romans chapter 7, verse 23, we read, Paul writes, I see another law at work within me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. He cries the cry of all humanity in the next verse, who will rescue me? In Genesis three sixteen, God gives Eve and women who follow her a consequence to that sin. He says, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Birth pains. An image which runs throughout the Bible reminds childbearing women of the consequences of sin. It wasn't meant to be that painful. Paul's question and our question, who will rescue me? is answered in the death and resurrection of Jesus, God's Son. Jesus who entered this sinful world but who did not sin. Jesus fully human and fully God. Jesus who understands the breadth of the human condition, the depths of human emotion. He understands our pain, temptation, laughter, joy, friendship his life given so our lives might live. His life given so that we might flourish. He became a sacrifice for us. Redemption. Throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus experience intense emotions. He weeps in John, chapter 11, verse 35. He sighs deeply in Mark 7.34 and again in Mark 8.12. His cries and prayer life were often too deep for words as his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the earth in Luke 22. We hear Jesus anguish as he prays, take this cup from me. God, do I have to do this? Your will, Father, not mine, And from the cross, Jesus prayed from Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The spirit of Jesus who experienced these depths is the same spirit present with us in our pain. As the spirit of Jesus shares in our pain, we share in the suffering of Christ. Paul writes in Philippians 1.21, For he has graciously granted you the privilege, not only of believing in Christ, but of suffering for him as well. God remains at work restoring humanity and all of creation to his perfect plan. He is restoring creation. We see signs of it, but we know it's not yet. Verse 23 in Romans says, we groan inwardly, while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Creation, fall, redemption. And in 1 John 3, 2, we read, Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this, when He is revealed, we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He is restoration. That's the arc of the Bible, of God's story, of our story. And today, as in Paul's time, we find ourselves in this middle place between the now and the not yet. On the one hand, we know the brokenness from sin in our world, and we know of the saving grace of Jesus Christ, the now, and we wait for God's restoration the not yet. But we don't wait alone. We have the, pre- the presence of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember this image? When Pastor George was teaching us the difference between being a Unitarian and a Trinitarian, we looked at this image. And today we're going to look more closely at the intercession of the Holy Spirit. Intercession is one of those technical terms, and it means it's the act of praying to God on behalf of another." That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. And I think the Holy Spirit is hustling back and forth, back and forth, back and forth between Jesus and me. I'd like to zero in on a word that Paul uses three times in our passage. It's our favorite word, groaning. Paul uses this metaphor of labor pangs as an earthly example of the pain that precedes birth. But like the mother who hears the first cries of a child and quickly forgets the pain, our future with God will easily surpass the trials and pains of today. Groaning appears first in labor pangs, but every parent knows that the groans don't end with the birth of the child. The noise of the birthing center comes home. The back and forth of groans and grins has begun. An infant cries rightly to alert a parent to its needs. A parent's quick response, I'm here. Shh. It's okay. I'm here. Milk, Diapers, swaying, swaddling, deep sighs, sleep. The cycle is momentarily comforting, but over time it is exhausting to the parent. Sleepless nights, loss of a sense of time and place. For some parents, it's the test of limits. Am I able? Am I qualified? Am I capable? The cries of the infant lead to the groaning of the parent. God, are you there? And as the Apostle Paul, who is a single man, knows, this metaphor of childbirth is applicable not just to parents, but all of humanity. And not just to humanity, but to all of creation. All of God's created order is groaning in anticipation, groaning in frustration, longing for something better, longing for shalom. Two weeks ago, I was excited to attend a Saturday night baseball game, and this wasn't just any baseball game. It was my son's team of 14-year-olds. My son has had to take the season off due to a knee injury and surgery. And this was finally a game that we could go to. It wasn't pouring down rain, it was close to home. It was a beautiful night two weeks ago, much like last night. We were excited. I love this team. I love watching my son and the boys he's grown up with play baseball. I love the parents on this team. Hours and hours of bleacher time have broken down the typical Seattle freeze. We know one another. Well, this night was special, as it was the first night of our regular season, and we um, had a taco buffet to keep the parents happy. It was a lot of fun. This year's been a bit tough for our team, as we've had several boys experience some pretty significant injury. A torn ACL in the knee, broken hands, and cracked vertebrae. Colton had just returned to the lineup after being in a back brace all fall. Colton, number 27, back in the leadoff position. His fluid swing, flexibility, and speed remind me of Ichiro. Colton was batting three for three that night. It was so great to see him back in the lineup. We were behind until Wyatt hit a bases clearing triple and we took the lead. One of our parents, whose nickname is DJ Darrell, played everyone's favorite walk-up songs and the mood of the group was upbeat. An inning later, Colton appeared near the bleachers. That's not something we see with the older boys. His face was ashen and his smile was gone. He was looking for his dad and some Advil. A terrible headache. One of our parents is a nurse, and so she went with Colton and his dad to the dugout. Murmurs of heat stroke, which he'd had a few seasons ago, was the explanation. The game progressed. We won and headed home after getting a milkshake. Two hours later, we were at home and showered, Colton's dad sent a text to the team. Colton has a bleed in his head. Please pray for him. Colton was transferred to Harborview where he was sedated and waited for an angiogram and then surgery. He had an AVM, an arteriovenous malformation, which is a group of blood vessels formed incorrectly in his brain, likely since birth. Saturday into Sunday into Monday were the longest days for his family, for his team. We were all praying, even those for whom prayer is foreign. Don and I stopped at Harborview two Sundays ago. You might know these moments. There are no words. We looked deep into Colton's parents' eyes our souls cried from deep places. And yet I knew that because Jesus had suffered beyond understanding, his spirit was present. In the cries of this family, I heard the spirit come running. I know. I'm here. Emmanuel. Many of you joined us in praying for Colton as he had surgery, another long day, but one that ended with news of success. As he woke from surgery, he asked whether his team had won. And yesterday, his dad wrote that he was home from the hospital. He's making progress, but the road is long. Please continue to pray for him. Is God absent when we find ourselves without words? When we don't know how to pray? I don't think that's what the scriptures are saying. Quite the opposite, actually. I believe that the minute Colton began to feel funny, the Spirit was at work. The moment we told our son of Colton's diagnosis, the Spirit was at work. The shock and disbelief of Colton's parents, the Holy Spirit was at work. Groaning, On behalf of this young boy, on behalf of his friends, groaning on behalf of these parents, naming Colton to Jesus. The Holy Spirit was praying for this boy and his community. When we cannot form words, when we cannot form words to express the depth, shock, or even awe in our own souls, the Holy Spirit prays on our behalf. The Holy Spirit speaks when we cannot. The Holy Spirit translates when our words don't make sense. The Holy Spirit edits and expands when our grammar is incomplete or our vocabulary is too simple. Perhaps this is the real gift of tongues, that when mine falls falls silent, the Spirit speaks on my behalf. Psalm 139 says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. When we do have words to pray from the depths, the dark places, and the dead ends, those prayers are often called laments. In his book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, Discovering the Grace of Lament, Mark Vergrop says this, Lament is rooted in what we believe. It is a prayer loaded with theology. Christians affirm that the world is broken. God is powerful and he will be faithful. Therefore, lament stands in the gap between pain and promise. God offers a simple but powerful definition of lament. He says, lament is a prayer in pain that leads to trust. And he describes the biblical pattern of lament in four steps. First, turn. We turn toward God number two, we complain. You have permission. Number three, we ask. And number four, we trust. Oh God, why aren't you listening? Will you rescue me from this situation? You have been faithful all my life. Virgap says, lament invites us to turn our gaze from the rubble of life to the redeemer of every hurt. And the Bible is filled with examples of God's sinful people moaning in prayer. In fact, at least a third of the psalms are lament, and the whole book of Lamentations is filled with them. From Lamentations 3, 55 through 58, I called on your name, O Lord, from the depths of the pit. You heard my plea which was, do not close your ear to my cry for help, but give me relief. You came near when I called on you. You said, do not fear. You have taken up my cause, O Lord. You have redeemed my life. Whether we have words or not, the Holy Spirit is present in Jesus' name. Remember Jesus' promise to his disciples as written in the book of John, chapter 14. Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper so that he may be with you forever. The Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and remind you of all I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you, not as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. When we find ourselves at the end of our rope, do we find desolation, despair, darkness? No. In the Holy Spirit, we find companionship, friendship, and a prayer warrior. I know, I'm here, Emmanuel. We groan as a result of the sin in our lives, longing not just for the relief that comes from salvation, but we long for the promise of shalom, of being made whole. We long for the new garden, the restoration of creation as described in Revelation 21. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, hear the prayers of our hearts. Hear our deep groaning, our deep desires, our longing for your restored kingdom. Give us endurance as we wait. Encourage us when we need it, and thank you for interceding to Jesus on our behalf. We trust you are making all things new and can't wait to rest in your perfect shalom. We pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen.